Welcome back into NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead. Pride NFL Reacts is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Went through the first evening of drills at the NFL Combine last night. These wide receivers were fast. Though they had to make some uh, late night adjustments to those 40 times because apparently they were a little quick on the trigger last night on the stopwatch. But still overall, like pretty fast wide receiver group. So let me welcome in Kate Magic of DK Nation as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. NFL Combine in full force. Uh, I'm sure we'll all be spending a lot of time this weekend watching some drills and have NFL Network up just the entirety of the weekend as you do during the NFL combine. But we got to start with some of our big takeaways from the first night of these positional drills. Cause there were some guys that really stood out. So uh, I'm curious who jumped out to you guys, who disappointed you guys? Like, was there any big takeaways for either of you from the first night of the combine drills? First I'll say I'm most disappointed Drake London. I'm so excited for him to be, uh, my wide receiver one for the rest of my life. I'm so excited for this kid. Isn't competing uh, in the drills this year for the combine. He's there for medicals and stuff. So just shout out to Drake London for anybody that's just sort of diving into uh, the rookie madness, maybe inspired by the combine because we didn't get to watch him. But I mean, the biggest takeaway overall for NFL fans, for fantasy football fans, has got to be the draft stock of Malik Willis, which is so rapidly climbing that I'm not sure any of uh, anybody's going to be uh, projecting him to fall to number 20, where he had been projected to be drafted by the Steelers. This kid is shooting up draft boards so rapidly, had some really nice long bombs. Didn't uh, didn't necessarily uh, do a ton at the combine. He did his interviews through, didn't you know run his his 40 yard dash or anything like that, but. Malik Willis is the the guy that we need to watch because this guy it could sneak into the top 10. I'm generally thinking at this point. Yeah, I, I think he ends up getting there. Um, just the interview process is going to help him out a lot, I guess. Like I, I was talking to people uh, a couple weeks, like within the last two weeks, and they're saying like as, as soon as he gets in a room with some of these coaches, like he's just going to shoot up the draft board and all the stuff that like the media has kind of been pushing from like the narrative perspective of like what's been happening the last couple of days for him has basically been the same thing where they're like, everyone's shocked. They love this dude. They can't get enough of him. The the big thing with me with Malik is like, he just needs, he needs a good landing spot, right? Like he needs a nice home. Like he cannot start immediately and be asked to produce. Like if he goes to somewhere like Carolina where the head coach is already on the hot seat, like that's, that's a, that's a match made in hell, you know, for him. Like he, he needs to go somewhere where he can like do the Trey Lance thing or he's sitting behind someone for a full year. They're not asking anything for him outside of injury. Um, I, I don't necessarily know where that landing spot is. Like maybe I've heard this proposed. Like what if he goes to Detroit at two and he just sits a year behind like Jared Goff? Cause they already have a quarterback, you know, on board. Um, they don't seem to love him but they, they, they can be competitive with him. And if you are going to have Malik on the bench, I don't know if there are better options, right, than, than a team that already has, like, golf in hand. 
I do actually like the Detroit Lions for him a little bit. Um, they're scrappy. They've got some of the, yeah. the scrappiness. Uh, oh, just him, him and Campbell, just like just personality leaders, change the culture, all that. I can see it already. Sounds yeah. like a testosterone festival in Detroit. Just saying. Yeah. Dan Campbell's one of the easiest coaches to root for in the NFL right now. And Malik Willis, like not only did he have a good night at the combine, he's doing things outside of the combine that let you know he's a good dude. So he's an easy guy to root for. And we we see these players every year at the combine specifically, like and especially these quarterbacks where, you know, you have questions about their system or, or, or things like that heading into the week. And then they show out athletically. And then we see them like skyrocket up the draft boards. And it seems like he is going to be that dude. And he didn't hurt himself at all by not running because that's like the thing that we feel most confident about in his game, right? Like he's a super athletic quarterback who's going to provide speed and rushing upside. And so he just threw and he looks good. Like, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Malik Willis is a guy that I think really, really helped his draft stock last night at the NFL Combine. But this wide receiver draft class, I already mentioned that, you know, the 40 times were had to be fudged a little bit late night last <laughs> night. And they were fast. And when they were coming out, I was like, what is happening in, in Indianapolis right now? But after they adjusted the 40 times, like, there was some really, really impressive players who had some really good times. And, and like, I, I know me and Justice talked a lot about Chris Olave on Wednesday's show. And man, like that 40 time, even though Nailed it, it, Nailed it. Up in, like now I'm like, OK, I'm I'm on the Olave train. Like the Garrett Wilson debate is over for me. I think he's still a good player and he had a good 40 time, too. But Chris Olave, Olave should be shooting up draft. The I, thing is, I, he was already pretty high. So that, yes. like, that's the question mark there is how much higher can he really go? The interesting thing is, though, I think with this draft class is that all of them have, uh, you know, some some differentiating skill sets. Traylon Burks, everybody was disappointed in his combine performance, which is crazy because he uh, came in at what, what was it, 225 pounds? Uh, like the dude's just a monstrous beast of a man and we're disappointed in his, his 40 yard dash time, get out of here. But all of these guys, depending on what you're looking for in a wide receiver, you can make the case for a lot of these guys to be the first wide receiver off the board. It's, it's going to depend on just who has the the nerve to, uh, you know, draft that first wide receiver. But I think we could see a decent chunk of these guys go in the first round, maybe not top, you know, 10 but i could see six or seven of these guys being drafted at the end of the first i i agree i mean this is just a deep wide receiver class in general and there's a ton of guys who made themselves money um christian watson from north dakota state was a guy that did really well you know at the senior bowl he dominated basically every drill that he participated in um he's like six four 200 pounds um ran a uh four three six there there's still you know after all the adjustments to the 40 time there are still nine wide receivers who ran a sub four four forty which is just nuts to think about um guys like you know wendell robinson khalil shakir uh Jahan dotson sky moore uh let me look alex pierce like all, all these guys are like guys that were thought about as like potential you know day day two picks 
and all of them like ran really well. So that's all going to help them. Alex Pierce is the interesting one to me. He's the wide receiver at Cincinnati. He was Ritter's uh, top target for the Bearcats. He ran a 4-3-3. I was told coming into this that like he's for sure going to run a 4-4, and I was actually kind of surprised by that because he's he's an acrobatic wide receiver, but he doesn't get a lot of separation. He killed the combine, and I, I'm like – it, it brings a lot of like uh, Andy Isabella flashbacks where you're like, whoa, this doesn't really show up on film, but like he might get drafted off of this. So like he might be like a second round pick now. I, I just still don't know if he's going to separate. The wide receivers uh, were a lot more interesting to me than the tight ends because all the top tight ends did not run. Like it, it's something like, you know, the, the top uh, five of the top six tight ends just basically did not participate. It was only uh What's his name? Dulcich from from UCLA, who was running. Well, the interesting thing uh, that I think you hit on just now, Justice, that I want to hit on because, it, like, we can talk about the players specifically, but I'm intrigued to to know how you guys think about the combine because uh, you mentioned, you know, what shows up on tape, what doesn't. I think the combine is just a really nice way to kind of confirm what you're seeing on tape, but. For some people, these measurements really make or break the the draft prospect themselves. How do you guys view the combine in terms of what? how much value does this really hold? And if it's not a lot, is that why we're seeing so many guys opt out and not participate? Because I'm getting a little antsy here. Yeah, I think that it is important in some ways and it's not important in a lot of other ways. Like... You know, I, I think the interview processes matter uh, if the teams are actually just trying to like do their due diligence on a player and not like throw shady questions at him just to see how he reacts, which they can't really do anymore. So I think that stuff can make a difference because it's a job interview. But as far as like the measurements and drills go, there's some that are more important than others. But like these teams are supposed to be scouting these players for months and months and months. And there's always a guy who, you know, pops athletically, who just does a little bit more than you were expecting. Or like, I think of like when the chiefs drafted Chris Conley, because Chris Conley's uh, combine numbers were just absolutely insane. And Chris Conley never really developed as uh, like good caliber NFL wide receiver, but that doesn't mean that these guys, that these can't be important. And you can't learn things from these guys. I just think that, they wind up doing more stuff at their pro days more often than not because they can have more of their people there. They can, they can work with the people that they're more comfortable with. And we've seen the NFL combine cost a, a lot of players money too, when things just don't work out the way that you expect them to. Like I, I think of a guy like uh Purdue wide receiver, David Bell, who did not have a great yeah, night. A tough one. night. Yeah. And and he's he's a guy that, uh, you know, based on what I've been looking into about him is like he he's a talented wide receiver who does a lot of things consistently, but he's not necessarily looked at as like this supreme athlete. And then the combine just didn't do him any favor. So like it might have done him uh, a better service to just like have a pro day and work out there as opposed to what he did at the combine, because that certainly didn't make him any money. Yeah, I, I think I mean, this is going to sound boring but like the the numbers deserve context a little bit like who what your what your priors were coming into this based off of like how athletic these guys are i think matters um i don't really think the jumps matter that much just in general 
Um, but when we were doing work with, you know, XFL and stuff like that, and I've consulted with NFL teams about uh, combine measurements and stuff like the, the shuttle and the three cone are actually like really important. I, I don't think the, the average fan realized like how important those drills are and the shuttle really to think about it is like uh, when people say someone's like twitchy, right. That should show up like in the shuttle when someone says like their hips are good, like that, that's something that should show up in the three cone. Um, so those are kind of like boxes to check, I guess is the kind of the way to put it. So like when someone like Garrett Wilson had like a 20th percentile shuttle, that didn't surprise me because my whole thing on him is like, he's a vertical threat only. I, I really worry about his route running because he takes so many steps to get in and out of breaks. Um, so being able to get confirmation on those things, I think helps a lot. The one thing you do have to adjust for is when these guys show athleticism that I guess you weren't expecting, right? Like that Alex Pierce was an example that I gave you earlier. Um, another guy is Jelani Woods, the tight end out of Virginia. He was basically a block. He, he's a converted quarterback who became a blocking tight end for Oklahoma State, transferred to Virginia where they played 12 personnel, you know, two tight ends. He was kind of like a – think of like college version of like Jimmy Graham, whatever you think of like Jimmy Graham where it's like, hey, this guy's going to catch like – fade balls in the in the end zone stuff like that he ended up uh showing up at 6 7 253 he has a basketball background and he ran a 4 6 1 like that's gonna raise some eyebrows and and make people go back to the tape and say like well did virginia not use him correctly like l- let's make sure we know who this guy is before we like firmly put him on the draft board well that's where you're counting on these teams to make smart NFL decisions uh, and and smart evaluations. Like there are some teams that I don't necessarily trust to do that. Uh, As soon as uh, wide receiver Calvin Austin came out and just absolutely dominated, I was like, well, all right, uh, we're going to have the Raiders like trading up to number one overall to draft this guy because they're just going to fall for the physicality. You need these teams to come and uh, like you said, provide uh, or embrace the context around these numbers and I think there are some teams that are a lot better at doing that than other teams. We'll put it at that. The Calvin Austin thing. The the guy the guy is 170 pounds. <laughs> we just fly, did this though. with Tutu last year. He can fly though. He can I, fly. That's I what get Steven it. He can said. fly. He had a great he had a great shuttle, by the way. Like really good. Like you you look at his like uh, agility drills, and you're like, that's like Daryl Revis level. Like like good, right? But at the end of the day, he's 170 pounds. Like Jalen Ramsey is going to be pressed up against him and just push him into the sideline. <laughs> we saw this with Tutu where we were all surprised. Like how in the heck does Tutu get drafted in the second round? And then Tutu basically did nothing, you know, as a rookie before he ended up getting injured. Like, I don't know. But this I, is where I, teams need to put context into those right. numbers uh, and where you need to like that. I mean, the Tutu pick, uh, I wasn't really sure what what the point was there. And I think that was an example of wondering, uh, did they put any context into the into the thought or did you fall in love with the flash? Uh, somebody that I do think we need to, you know, shout out, especially uh, in terms of providing context specifically. I mean, seriously, Traylon Burks. I just want to talk about Traylon Burks because everybody is just uh, – poo-pooing and disappointed but i mean like for a 
a player that maybe came in under expectations. What do you do with these guys? Cause I mean, it, if it's not, uh, if the current concerns don't show up on tape, throw it out the window. And that's like what I feel like we need to remind fans. Cause uh, you know, trail on Burks. I just keep going back over to him. Cause I, the narratives I saw on social media were kind of puzzling wide receiver out of Arkansas, six two, 225 pounds. And we're mad that he ran a, a four five, like it's stop guys. Cause everyone's supposed to be Calvin Johnson. If you're 225, 230, <laughs> you have to run like a four, three, four forty. Like that's, that's the way these things work when you're that big. It, it's <laughs> I feel like the thing working against him is we got like the Paul Bunyan stories. Like the, like the Bo Jackson high school stories for Traylon Burks, where everyone was talking about, yeah, he wears like five XL gloves, and then he comes in and he has like pretty normal hand size, and then they're like, <laughs> yeah, he's he's gonna run like a four three nine, and then he runs a, a four five five. Like if we didn't have the priors of like these Paul Bunyan tails, right? I don't think we'd be doing this with Traylon Burks. I do think it hurt him a little bit, but like. Were you were you guys watching the 40 times or you guys just saw the numbers? Because the Traylon Burks 40 time was a weird spectacle because he had like a he had like a false start on the 40, and then he's just down there for what it seemed like a full minute, just messing with his hands, like on the line, getting ready for the 40 time. And you could see him like he is like fully in his head, like worried about this. And then the guy is like, Hey, we're gonna move this table. Once he gets set, like so they push the table. He's like thinking about <laughs> it even more. And then he's getting ready to run. And they call out like uh some lady in the stands and they have to like ask her to quiet down and like move out of some sort of shot. And I'm like, dude, this guy's been getting like he is in his head and he's been down there for like two minutes. And I'm like, okay, this is just not a good situation for him. I wouldn't be surprised if he runs better at his pro day. Like the people who are there at, at the combine are going to know, like, that was a weird spot for him. And that doesn't excuse, you know, his jumps, which which also kind of fell short of expectations, too. But I wouldn't be surprised if he has a better day, you know, at his pro day than at the combine. At the end of the day, like, you have to remember these guys also are like, this isn't what they do. This isn't what they're comfortable doing. Like, I understand some people will say, like, well, if they can't do it in the spotlight of a combine when there isn't a defender on them, then how are you asking them to come up in big moments in the NFL? Well, playing football is what they're confident in. Playing football is like what they've been used to their whole lives. It's been what they, they're good at, you know, frankly. And training for a, a, a time drill is not what they've been living and breathing to do for like the last eight years of their lives. So I, I'm, I'm not – I'm not dropping down Traylon Burks a ton and I wouldn't be surprised if his pro day ends up a lot better. Uh, and it's I, like, if, if you've ever had like a, a big job interview that you're really, really nervous for, like imagine what these guys are going through <laughs> having like millions of people watching them across the country, just do these drills. And it's like, you can get into a game and be nervous about a game, but like that stuff goes away after a while because you're just like in it. And there's another snap in 40 seconds. Yeah. I got to compete. And it's like these things it's yeah, you get nervous and you got to remember how young all these guys are. Like it's totally understandable for them to be nervous in this situation because it is essentially a job interview that could cost them millions of dollars. Yeah. It's definitely interesting when you see these critiques, because uh, like you said, this isn't, 
a natural like position. Like none of these wide receivers are starting off at the line in that position that they're starting the 40 yard dash. in. like, I don't, I, a, an exercise for anybody that's currently standing, who's listening or for anybody who's sitting, stand up and try to get in that position and see how natural that feels. Cause I mean, you could be a top runner in the world, but the get off isn't always necessarily going to be smooth because it's not, it's not natural. It's, it's not natural at all, but you know, I, it, it's just, it's fascinating. I love the combine. Another thing that I need to talk about, guys, Kenny Pickett. Kenny, small hands Pickett. Are we concerned? Comes in, pick quarterback, eight and a half inch hands. Thoughts? So I saw, Kate, that you measured your hands and like sent out a picture of it on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I never measured my hands before. I'm going to measure my hands. My my girlfriend, when she got off of work yesterday, walks into the house. I'm still in my office and I hear, why is the tape measure out? <laughs> everybody was everybody was measuring their hands yesterday. Yes. Good yes. to know. Like, so I'm not somebody, it's not like I've spent a lot of time thinking about my hand size, but in general, I think I have small hands. Like I just don't look at my hands and think like, oh, these are like these are like mitts or something like that. <laughs> I've got eight and a half inch hands. And I'm like five nine, like not a big person at all, like totally like average person when it comes to like size and weight and stuff like that. And I've got eight and a half inch hands. So if my hands seem small on me, like a normal size person, Kenny Pickett's hands are pretty small. We're, we're, we got the, the nines here, but it's all palm. Like if you guys can see it, it's all palm. My fingers are short. Um, I, I'm not that worried because he's already played in the weather in Pittsburgh and he wears gloves. Like the, the context of him already wearing gloves I think is something that's overlooked. Like if you're fine throwing with, with gloves on, then you should have more grip on the ball, even if you do have smaller hands. And I understand the NFL ball is like what it's like the diameter of it is like two inches uh, wider at the NFL level than it is with a college ball. But we've seen guys like um, remember Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner had like some sort of injury uh, at the end of his Rams career and, you know, through his giants career, where he basically couldn't grip the ball as well. And then when he went to Arizona, he just put on gloves. And he was like, yeah, that just – that solved it, right? <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm less worried about the Kenny Pickett hand size thing than I think most people. Um, he did have a bunch of fumbles, though, at the college level. It's something like 26 fumbles, and that's something that will probably extend to the NFL to a certain extent. Like, he's probably going to have, like, the same fumble rate as, like, a guy like Jared Goff, who also had kind of those type of issues, but – I don't think it's something that's going to like make or break his career. I'm a whole lot more worried about him, you know, processing, you know, the entire field and, you know, his arm strength in general compared to uh, his hand size. See, I think like looking at just the historical content context here, um, you know, everybody, I think we, we have this recent narrative with Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. We had those concerns with both of them. They both measured in at, uh, what uh, Joe Burrow, I think, came in at nine centimeter or nine inches. Patrick Mahomes, I believe, nine and a quarter. So, I mean, just for context, that's a half an inch. Um, and obviously, it didn't affect Joe Burrow, but really, the only successful quarterback we've seen that you know had eight and a half inch hands has been Michael Vick. And 
it's not that we're uh, noting him as this prolific quarterback because of his abilities as a passer. It comes more from the legendary stuff he's done as a rusher. So like Kenny Pickett, though he's mobile, he doesn't have that aspect to his game for me. Um, an interesting conversation I had with um, Marcus Mosier of Locked On Dynasty or Locked On Dynasty, Locked On Cowboys this morning. Uh, we're both Pittsburgh folks, and he brought up the fact that it in the college football season you're not necessarily uh, playing through the coldest aspects of Pittsburgh weather. Your season goes till early November. Um, that's that's a cakewalk for anybody in Pittsburgh. It's when you get into the nitty gritty of those late December, January, early February times that you're going to be having some struggle bus moments. And Kenny Pickett didn't have to play through those. I think he would be better suited going to a team where uh, he'd, you know, ideally play indoors. And uh, like the, the NFC South, they've got a, a couple of domes down there, Head him, send him down here. I don't want anything to do with him in Pittsburgh. But if he already needed gloves to improve his grip at the, the D1 level, I do worry that that's going to translate a bit more significantly. Because like you said, does it confirm what we're seeing on the field? Yes, because we've already seen Kenny Pickett can have the fumblies. So it translates. Well, I just looked it up because I was thinking like, just small quarterback. And I was like, what's Kyler Murray's hand size. Kyler Murray has nine and a half inch hands. He's got a full wow. inch on Kenny Pickett's hands. I was shocked by that. I was like, that oh. is, <laughs> that is impressive. And like for anybody who didn't see it, <laughs> I did measure my hands. I am five, like five, two and a half. I'm going to say five, two and a half. I have extremely small hands and I measured in at like, and, seven and probably seven eighths inches for my hands. So, I mean, Kenny Pickett, barely bigger than these little puppy dog mitts that I have right here. And I'm not ready to play in uh, at the pro level just yet. I'm still working on it, but you know, I, I do love the small hand guys. It just spurred so many just hand measurements in general. I remember I was at the senior bowl the year, uh, Hunter Renfro was there. And I think Hunter Renfro had like legit seven inch hands, like seven inch Aww. flat. And every, everyone in the stands <laughs> at the senior bowl event that first day is just like, they're putting hands against hands, just like everyone <laughs> measuring against each other. It, 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 it brings the best out of us. For, like, honestly, it's just, I, I don't think Kenny Pickett's hand size should. And it it probably did. Like some teams were just like, okay, that guy's we're not drafting that guy. Like he is an absolute no-go for us now. But like he's already a prospect with question marks that that's got that, a lot that's, of that's that's my part where I'm like, he's Taylor Haneke. Yeah. Either way. Like you should not be drafting this guy in in the first round either way. So yeah. So he, I'm glad he, we've all agreed Kenny Pickett is not being drafted by the Steelers. It's official. Yeah. You heard Carolina is the one that I'm worried about. Where it's like, oh, Matt Rule, guy. You Let know, him be the sacrificial seat. lamb to the Panthers, so that Malik Willis, we don't have to sacrifice him. I'd rather sacrifice Kenny Pickett, who, like you said, we already have plenty of questions about Kenny Pickett. I, I guess I'm throwing him to the wolves, but that's, I guess, just the mood I'm in on this sassy Friday. They did drop the uh, 
his girlfriend is like some some banker at like Goldman Sachs or something like oh. that. They they drop that in the broadcast. Love the oh. uh, background notes that they that they. That's drop a great just backup bored. plan for when Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Uh, so and you know what? Gonna, even he's gonna be all right. He's yeah. He's gonna be fine. So, yeah, I, I just don't think that the hand size isn't that big of a deal, but. Let's make a big deal about it this week because it's NFL Combine Week and it's hand size week. So that's what we do. Let's go. But let's take a quick timeout. And when we get back, the Cowboys are reportedly making a curious decision about wide receiver Amari Cooper. And they really only have their themselves to blame for this situation. That's coming up next on NFL Reacts. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Kate Magic of DK Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. It was reported by Adam Schefter this morning that the Cowboys are likely to release wide receiver Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper's due $20 million guaranteed if he is on their roster by March 20th. So it sounds like they are cutting him. And then there's other reports coming out that they're prioritizing Michael Gallup over Cooper because they've got some cap issues. And a lot of that has to do with the terrible contract that they signed with Ezekiel Elliott. And it, it with as talented as this Cowboys team is and like the expectations that I had for them going into last season and especially the way that like Micah Parsons blew up in his rookie year and looks like he is an absolute like elite monster playmaker and the other talent that they have here. And I think me and Justice actually talked about this not that long ago. Like I feel like the Cowboys window is kind of closing here with the makeup of this current roster and now they're moving on from Amari Cooper to probably extend long-term Michael Gallup, who I think is a very talented wide receiver. And he was one of the more intriguing free agent wide receivers that I wanted uh, to land in a good spot because I think he is a playmaker if he stays healthy, which has been a huge issue for Michael Gallup. I, I just don't really understand what the Cowboys are doing. And I feel like the Cowboys don't really understand what they're doing right now. The Cowboys never think rationally. They think with their hearts and I think they like, uh, they, I mean, they like Michael Gallup. I think Michael Gallup has endeared himself to Jerry Jones and uh, just the Cowboys in general. He was their third round pick, like hometown boy, basically. Like, I, I think that's what they're making this decision off of. And I, I don't think it's a smart decision whatsoever. I didn't even realize I had all these uh, just unsung feelings about Amari Cooper in this potential breakup because it, it just seems kind of wild to me, but um, I, I was looking at both of these wide receivers dating back to 2019. Both of them stand at six one. They are just two pounds apart. Amari Cooper, one year older than Michael Gallup. Uh, he's, he's always on the field. Whereas Michael Gallup, he's played 80% ish of his, his games over the last two years um, or over the last three seasons. Dak has a higher passer rating when targeting Amari Cooper than he does Michael Gallup. Uh, Amari Cooper has a lower drop rate. Like the, 
incentive seems to be financial, but I mean, looking at what wide receivers got last year, uh, you had Corey Davis, 12.5 million average a year, Cortland Sutton, 15. Do we really think they're going to save all of that much money extending Michael Gallup? Cause I don't think the pay gap's going to be as, as different as we'd want to believe. It does seem like they're kind of in a weird spot where they, they wanted more out of Cooper they could save some money releasing him, but it's not like they're going to use that cap space in a more efficient way necessarily than Cooper coming back. And you look at Dallas and to the point of them kind of being maxed out. I mean, defensively, they're really only paying one guy, right? Demarcus Lawrence offensively. It's obviously, uh, you know, Dak, Zeke, Lyle Collins, Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, who, that one's tough. The Tyron Smith one is tough for them because he's kind of, you know, getting more and more injured, you know, as the years go along and he, he's taken his hits plenty. Um, and then, you know, obviously Amari Cooper. So it'll be interesting to see if they do re-up on Michael Gallup. And then the Dalton Schultz thing is going to be really important for them because we just got news yesterday. Blake Jarwin, you know, the, the report is that he's going to have a quote rare unquote surgery to, to his hip and he's not going to be able to be ready until the beginning of the 2022 season. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty big red flag. Whenever anyone's having a rare hip injury in the NFL, that I'm, I'm out. I'm out. That doesn't sound like any good juju at all. Um, plus, we already got the uh, the McCarthy quotes at the Combine where he was talking about Tony Pollard and, and him being underused, and he said that that was convenient criticism. And it's like, all right, what are, what are we even doing here? Like, just strip down the roster. Get it ready for Zimmer in, in, in or Zimmer or uh, Sean Payton in 2023. Like it, it feels like this this window is is over. And you have to remember, the Cowboys are paying their veterans so much already that it led to like Byron Jones, like a star cornerback, getting a job elsewhere with the Miami Dolphins. Like this team was already maxed out a couple years ago, and now it's kind of like time to pay the piper. Well, and I mean, if I'm the Cowboys, this is where I go back to maybe some of the uh, or maybe the contract that sparked this all this whole problem to begin with, which it goes back to Zeke. You pay him six. uh, uh, You sign him to a six year, 90 million dollar contract. Yeah, we like we've seen the writing on the wall for a really long time. Um, And you want to talk about, you know, maybe having higher expectations for Amari Cooper. Uh, the expectations I think should have been higher for Ezekiel Elliott. And this is where maybe I go back to Ezekiel Elliott and I'm going to try to restructure the, the contract that you have on deck for him, because I mean, not that he would agree to it, but my, oh my, this, this team's super bowl uh, shot, you know, like you have all these pieces on defense, Michael Parsons, um, you know, you have Trayvon Diggs, like all of these things are, putting you in this window and you've shot yourself in the foot on offense. And it all comes back to Ezekiel Elliott for me. Zeke still has a $20 billion dead cap, which is just nuts to me. Um, I don't even think you can like renegotiate with him this year because of the dead cap. He still has leverage. Like you can't get rid of him. So I think it's going to have to be next year. And then even then the way that it's set up right now, if they, if the Cowboys release him next season, it's only going to save them like $5 million on the cap. So yeah, I mean that, that, that one's, that one's the one that's really hurting them the most. I I think it's that. And then 
Tyron just getting banged up. And it, it, it's not like Tyron hasn't lived up to expectations um, before, even on a veteran contract, but it just seems like we're kind of nearing the end of him being kind of an elite bookend just in terms of him being able to be on the field consistently. A lot of this does feel like it's just Jerry Jones doubling down on Ezekiel Elliott and, and refusing to acknowledge that it was a bad deal. And Zeke was a really good running back for a long time. He has just not been that good since you extended him. And that's the way running back life works in the NFL. Like when he signed that contract, everybody was like, that's a terrible contract. What are you doing, Cowboys? And it just seems like it's Jerry doubling down on everything and saying, no, I, this is going to work out. Ezekiel Elliott's going to be our star running back, even though we all know Tony Pollard is better at this point in his career. And I, I do think that it, it would be fair to say, like, maybe they didn't get everything that they wanted out of Amari Cooper, even though Amari Cooper has been a really, really good wide receiver. Maybe when they traded that first round pick for him and, and then paid him some money, they were thinking like, this guy's got to be the best wide receiver in the NFL. And Amari Cooper's not that, but he is a very, very talented player. So maybe Jerry is a little bit underwhelmed by all of that, but you're basically saying peace, Amari Cooper. We hope Michael Gallup is healthy. He just tore an ACL by the way. And we're going to franchise tag Dalton Schultz. Who's only got one year uh, of real solid NFL production uh, on his resume. And then you're hoping that CD lamb takes a huge, huge leap forward next season. And I think CD lamb's perfectly capable of doing that. I think he's a really talented player, but all of this just goes back to Jerry. Like it always does with the Cowboys. Like it always comes back to Jerry and his decision-making and him doubling down on everything because he thinks that he's just right. And, and he doesn't want to ever admit that he's wrong about anything. Yeah. He makes decisions with his heart and not, not much else. And like, it, it's, kind of incredible because for as savvy a businessman as I do think that Jerry Jones is, he's not, uh, in every way that he is, he is not. And it's kind of, uh, incredible to see him, um, fulfill his own destiny here and, you know, dismantle a roster because of this deal that should have never been made to begin with. It's, it's kind of wild getting that money. Good for you. The NFL did cancel all their COVID-19 protocols this week. So uh, COVID-19 apparently is done in the NFL. The big news here is that reporters, media outlets and stuff will finally be able to go back into locker rooms and actually like talk to players face to face and we don't have to do everything over Zoom. So that's exciting. Um, and I'm sure the players are happy to be rid of all the COVID-19 protocols. But the NFL's just said it, which is funny because after after the whole back and forth about the combine and the bubble and stuff like that. Like two weeks later, the NFL was just like, all right, it's over. We're past it. Let's, let's just move on and act. We like decided that COVID-19 is no longer a thing. Like uh, it, it just, it's boom. The, the pandemic was over as quickly as it started. Incredible. I, I think the combine stuff did help kind of push this, you know, honestly, it's as, as soon as, Agents were in tune with like, hey, the NFL basically isn't ruling out anyone in the playoffs. They were like, all right, well, then we're just not going to go back. And and they pushed back on it. So I don't know. We'll we'll see if it's a good decision. Um, I guess like the the big worry, right, is like something else comes up the pike. But like we weren't expecting this in 2019 either. So 
I, I don't know what the right answer is here. It's where on the players on, on the league and everybody's just like, we want to be done with it. But, you know, if, if there is like some new COVID-19 variant or something like that, or cases start to spike drastically again, I'm sure they'll implement something. But as for now, uh, COVID-19 is done in the NFL. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, the Washington football team, I'm still going to call them that I can't, I can't get on board with the commanders. I'm never going to think <laughs> about it. They're, they're the Washington football team forever, as far as I'm concerned. But there's a report this week that they reportedly called every single team in the NFL to gauge whether or not they would be interested in trading their starting quarterback. And the the reason this thing really took off was because like, they called every team and then the Kansas City star reported that like, Oh yeah, they called the chiefs and asked the chiefs about Patrick Mahomes. And yeah. you know, Washington- how much of a dick do you have to feel like, like, Hey, uh, Andy, by the way, like, just to be clear, what do you think about you, this guy? You like Pat, right? Like you, yeah. you like him, right? Oh, we saw that. We saw that sketchy report about some turmoil, you know, between him and Eric Bieniemy. Just brought Eric Bieniemy back on a one-year deal. You, you interested in moving on from Patrick Mahomes? Like that. That's how that phone call goes. And then Brett Veach and Andy Reid are just like, yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't. We wouldn't give him up for a billion dollars. Like, like there's nothing you could give us in the world that we would give away Patrick Mahomes for, but. I kind of appreciate the gall of Washington and just saying, <laughs> let's, let's just check. Let's just see. You never know if you don't ask. I mean, I, I definitely appreciate like that's that's kind of the motto. Anytime I ask a question that, um, you know, I don't have any business asking. That's kind of the way you can justify it is you don't know if you don't ask. And that that's completely what they did. And I. I mean, kudos, like at least you are acknowledging the fact that uh, your situation is poo and you would like to create uh, create a better situation for yourself by finding, uh, you know, uh, another quarterback scouted by a different team. Uh, and because, you know, it, sometimes you have to know yourself and know that's not your strong suit. Uh, kudos, Washington commanders. I commend you, commanders. I'm still not used to the name. Like I hear commanders and I'm still like kind of confused. I'm like, are we talking about like one of these spring league teams or something like that at first? So yeah, it, it hasn't totally sunk in in the same way. Like you heard like announcers uh, call, called the Los Angeles chargers, the San Diego chargers for like an extra two years. I feel like that's going to be me with the commanders just because it fully hasn't sunk in. But I do appreciate Washington just being like the annoying guy in your, in your fantasy league. That just is like spamming trades that no no one's ever gonna do. <laughs> like that that's kind of who they are at this point. It, it's worth noting. Uh, Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst said that no one is called about Aaron Rodgers, which I feel like th- there's no way that's true. But he just came out and basically was like, "No, no, dude, Aaron Rodgers being traded is not on the table. Like let, let's put an end to that immediately." I just love this time of year, guys, because everything is possible and nothing is possible at the same time. This is the most magical time of the year outside of football season. Let's be real. I I do love the idea of the NFL just having like essentially like a dynasty fantasy football app where the teams are just sending trade offers and being like, would you be interested in that? (laughs) Like we can actually get on the phone and really work this thing out. And they're just like, no, what are you talking about? (laughs) Actually, I would love to see uh that be the way that the nfl actually executes trades um if they have like a counter button uh you know like the sleeper app does for your fantasy leagues 
um, where you can, you know, maybe swap out some draft picks. They know it. I don't want this guy. Like, I would love to see that. And I think every NFL fan would probably love to see it because uh, there's nothing better than seeing like, a, you know, a, a, an accepted trade go through and seeing that jolt of excitement that a trade just went down in your league. I love that feeling. Obviously, we get that via Adam Schefter, but it's just not the same juice. Uh, Steven, I think you need to make some calls to Roger Goodell and make this happen for all of us. And I love the idea of like every general manager being able to see it like as soon as it happens and then like being like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You idiot. That's what What you're asking for for this guy like that. That's I could have I could have sent that offer. That's that's the most fun part about uh, fantasy football. And I just want to see NFL leadership get get in on some of that action. We're trying to see the uh, the the f- be able to FOIA the trade offers that like uh, Jim Harbaugh. Do you guys remember when Jim Harbaugh put Taylor Mays on the trade block and the way that he did it? He sent an email to every single NFL team <laughs> and was like, hey. You guys want Taylor Mays? I'm tired of this guy. We spent a second round pick on him. One year, I'm out. Who, who wants him? And then the Bengals came calling. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm on board with all that. Let's let's do that. Let's make it all public so we can all just sit there and watch it all unfold. I think that would be enjoy the show, fun. baby. And Ron Rivera did say this week at the combine that they're only interested in veteran quarterbacks for some reason. So I, I think I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback this year. So. We'll continue to uh, monitor the uh, Washington football team's quarterback situation. But thank you guys for listening to this week's edition of NFL Reacts. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on Apple as well as Spotify. Got a ton of new content coming for you on YouTube, so make sure you check us out over there. You can follow Kate on Twitter at FFBallBlast. Follow Justice at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We'll talk to you guys next week.